There's an unspoken understanding that if you tell a lesbian a secret, you're also telling their girlfriend that secret. People in relationships tell each other everything, or so I've heard. That means that couples don't just amass double the income, but double the gossip, double the intel, double the dirt. Is it possible then for a couple to have double the motives to kill their annoying friends who they clearly hate? I'm Casey Casey, and this is Who Killed Jenny Schechter, Episode 3, Bet and Tina. To be honest, at first, I was psyched. Nice one, babe! That's Mike Armstrong. He lived next door to Bette and Tina for years in West Hollywood. We are playing... Cornhole. I mean, lesbians fucking in the pool next door at all hours of the day? I could be out back, throwing some cornhole, and getting a nice free show at the same time. My husband is such a dork. That's his wife, Jen. Come on, just give it a throw. Oh, this beanbag is the size of my body. Anyway, it got to be way too much. It wasn't just Bet and Tina once in a while. Besides, the last time they had good pool sex was President's Day 07. It became every woman in West Hollywood at every time of day. It was constant, and we had little ones at the time. So finally, one day, I popped my head over the fence for a neighborly chat with Bet and Tina about it. It didn't go well. And they were like, What? Does it freak you out that women can fuck without a penis? And I said, no, that's fine. But could you please not do it while we're hosting a family-friendly cornhole tourney next door? And maybe instead, just between the hours of 3 and 5 p.m. when my wife is gone? Isn't my hubby a nut? I insisted we go inside for a thimble of water, where the couple gave me more insight into the private lives of Bet and Tina. Did they use the pool for anything other than sex? Well, Bette would always be in there trying to do her little whirlpools. Whirlpools? Yeah. You know, you get in the pool, you run circles around as fast as you can on the edges to make a whirlpool, and then when it gets fast enough, you can just kind of float around in a circle like you're being flushed. She never really got it, though. The mechanics were all off. Whirlpools only work in above-ground pools because they're circular, not bean-shaped like hers was. But Bet was always in there, riding that high, trying to make a whirlpool. I mean, I think her whirlpooling is how she got so jacked. Jen and Mike were home the night Jenny Schechter was found dead in Bet and Tina's pool. Could you tell me about the night Jenny Schechter died? Sure. Uh, we were outside, corn in the hole as usual, uh, when we heard screaming from next door. Yeah, we didn't really think much of it. People are always shrieking over there. Tina! And crying. And moaning. I mean, we got our entire home soundproofed. It didn't work, but our living room is now the best podcast studio in Los Angeles. Yeah, John Lovett keeps showing up on our doorstep and making on-the-spot cash offers on our home. Then we heard the sirens. 
We'd called the cops before, the time Bat and Tina were blaring Sade and gazing upon each other's naked bodies for like 15 hours, but they never came. We figured it was just a noise complaint, but I guess that woman whose main personality trait was having bangs uh, was dead. We never saw anything else, though. What was her cause of death? I... She was in a pool. Like she drowned? Unclear. You're making a podcast about this and you don't even know this woman's cause of death? Have you ever wondered what your cat secretly freaks out about? Then try Feline Good, a psychiatry app for cat owners. With one click, you'll be able to send a picture of your cat to one of their uniquely trained professionals who can tell you what your cat is secretly freaking out about. Everyone from Phoebe Waller-Bridge to the woman across the hall who paints her plants for some reason is talking about this revolutionary technology that allows for new diagnoses every time. It's a feat veterinarians are calling incredible, considering every cat picture looks exactly the same. For 15% off your first purchase, tell them who killed Jenny Schechter sent you by using the code Jenny Schechter killed a dog 20. That's Jenny Schechter killed a dog 20 at checkout on the Feline Good app. Mike and Jen claim they didn't witness the murder, but they did confirm one thing. There was always action at Bet and Tina's house. There was talking, laughing, loving, breathing, fighting, rampant transphobia, a lack of dialogue about classism in the LGBTQ community. But there was another ever-present thing at Bet and Tina's house that no one seems to talk about. That thing is a person, Nanette St. Eves. My name is Nanette St. Eve. I'm 53 years old. St. Eve? Like the lotion? Yes. And no. Intriguing. Could this be the woman to hold the keys to this mystery? I traced her down at her home, inside a yarn bin out of Michael's in Altadena, to find out. I was Tina Kennard's personal live-in poncho weaver from 2004 to 2009. And what exactly does being a personal live-in poncho weaver entail? I lived in Ms. Kennard's home and wove ponchos for her on a near-constant basis. Pretty standard run-of-the-mill job. What kind of ponchos did you make? Oh, the usual. Wool, silk, cashmere, felt, cotton, cotton poly blend, denim, corduroy, cheesecloth. You're saying Tina owned ponchos in all these fabrics? Of course. Handmade by me and my weavery in Tina's home. How quickly can you weave a poncho? Oh, I'd say in under three hours. To weave a garment that covers nearly all of an adult human's body? Of course. Once, Tina rattled me out of bed at 3 a.m. Of course. She said she had a very important meeting at 7 a.m. She'd been trying on outfits all night, but none of them would do. She needed a new poncho. Sure. So I did what I do best. I wove. Mm. I wove and I wove. My thumb pads were blistered. My mm. bones brittled and aching. I broke my left index finger clean in half around 6.15 a.m., but I had to press on. Of course. And as those first morning rays of golden California light spilled into my weaving hole, I gazed at the fruits of my labor. A magenta and lime green houndstooth wool poncho. It was some of my finest work. Wow. Did Tina have it in time for her big meeting? Of course. 
It was the perfect outfit for Miss Kennard to announce to Shane and Alice that she was considering making her 15th career change. Considering all that work you put in, I thought her meeting would be a little higher stakes than that. Everything Tina Kennard does is high stakes. Did you ever weave anything for Bet? Bet? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't leave Bet Porter a poncho, where hers the last shoulders, arms, torso, waist, and thighs on the planet. Not a fan, I take it. That woman didn't deserve Tina Kennard. The possessiveness, the cheating, the manipulation. It sounded to me like Nanette St. Eves was pretty protective of Tina. I owe Tina Kennard everything. She gave me a home, a handsome salary, health insurance, a 401k, bonuses for every floor-length poncho. All that just for making ponchos. If you think ponchos weave themselves, you've got a lot to learn about this town, little missy. She was right. I did have a lot to learn about this town. Now, let's talk about Bette Porter. What was your general impression of her? Bette was cruel, careless, selfish, a self-declared perfectionist in all the worst ways. Do you think she'd be capable of murder? Look, I don't want to make any assumptions or allegations. I don't know much about detective work. But I do know how to work a loom, and let's just say, if Bet Porter were a ball of yarn, I wouldn't touch her with a 30-foot knitting needle. Anklets! Remember them? We're bringing them back whether you like it or not. We're not kidding! Use the promo code CHILLNATION on the USPS app, otherwise you're getting an anklet in the mail. Anklets! At least they're not toe rings. You've heard of the shower principle, right? It's when moments of inspiration strike us while we're doing some mindless task, like taking a shower. After I talked to Nanette St. Eves, I immediately got tangled in a ball of royal blue yarn. It took me 90 minutes to unwrap it from my legs, arms, torso, and neck. And as I untangled myself, I realized something. By all accounts, Bet and Tina weren't tangled up in each other. They were a fractured couple. They hadn't amassed double the secrets nor double the will to murder because they clearly didn't trust each other. So, what if Bet acted alone? Well, as strong as her arms are from her incessant whirlpooling attempts, I found she's too much of a perfectionist to commit such a sloppy killing in her own backyard. And there's still one obvious suspect I still haven't looked into. The girlfriend. But that's next week. This episode was produced by me, Casey Casey, under the guise of actual work. Follow us on Patreon, where you'll have access to exclusive content you won't find here on the podcast. Like my Pinterest board, full of poncho swatches I've been curating since meeting Nanette St. Eves. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Join us next week when we speak to a man who used to be a 12-year-old boy. And we'll dig into the psyche of the woman who many claim is less emotionally competent than a van slip-on. Shane McCutcheon. This season on Who Killed Jenny Schechter. She... Stole my aesthetic. You wanna make out? Dana says she's, quote, been stuck in a fucking waterfall. 
I'm Casey Casey, and this has been Who Killed Jenny Schechter for Chill Nation.